Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it is very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history. If you have an experience that you'd like to share, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Gregory Deal lives in a village in Armenia. He also happens to be owner of Identity Publications, the publisher for my first book, Stories of Elders. In this episode, he describes the policies that Armenia has put into place due to COVID-19, as well as his general preparedness that has come about simply through life in the village, but that is exactly what is needed in order to survive a pandemic. For about the last year, I have been living in an old rundown house in a village in Armenia that I have been refurbishing and fixing up. So that's where I have been the whole time this has been happening. So I read plenty of, plenty of things online of people worrying about this new virus in certain countries going into lockdown. But in the beginning, it doesn't feel like something that's really going to affect the country of Armenia as a whole, and certainly not me out here three hours away from the capital Yerevan in this village, Kalavan, where we're pretty autonomous anyway. I usually go into town about once a week, about an hour's drive, uh, just for supplies, maintenance on my car, and it's really not even necessary because I usually have more than a month's supply of food here. People raise their own animals and grow their own food here. It's more just like a, a convenience, but not even a necessity in the strictest sense. And it wasn't really until about the last two weeks that as I've been going into town, you actually start to see the effects of what's been going on with the lockdown, people wearing masks, people being afraid to go outside, police everywhere. Up until then, it was really just a thing people were talking about, for me at least. But I don't know how it's been in the capital, except from what I hear from some of my friends in Yerevan, that it's more intense there. The last time I went into town was just a few days ago, and that was when they started implementing certain new uh, militaristic policies where if you drive between different regions of the country, for example, which I have to do to get to the major grocery store in town that I go to, there are police checkpoints where they will take your temperature by swiping something across your forehead, which doesn't take very long and isn't very intrusive as far as these things go. But I was told that if they detect you have a fever, you will be detained and sent to the capital be to be tested for COVID-19. And if it turns out you have it, then they will probably send you to a isolation camp for two weeks. But what's even more disturbing than that, as disturbing as that already sounds, is I was also told that it turns out if they detect that you have COVID-19 and they could trace back that you caused other people to get it, even if you didn't know, uh, if you've, 
I don't remember the exact numbers, but if you have if you have caused more than five people to get COVID nineteen, you can go to prison for a number of years. Less than that, it's just some ridiculous fine. <clears throat> I'm afraid to cough in public. I have a small, a minor cold right now. When I went into town to go shopping a few days ago, once I was actually there in town, um, the a few minutes of being in a certain store, a group of police approached me wearing masks and, and gloves. Uh, and they looked very serious, like they had specifically come into the store to find me. And I presume it's because somebody in the store heard me speaking English. I mean, I, I'm one quarter Armenian genetically. I don't exactly look super stereotypically Armenian, but you know, we have the same color skin. I don't stand out a ton in a crowd. But I presume somebody heard me speaking English with an American accent and was worried, there's a foreigner here. What if he brought you know, the virus with him? And, and I'm an Armenian citizen through, through the descent of my grandmother. And they, like I said, I've been living here for more than the past year. But, but they were very concerned that, you know, when did you get in the country? Where were you before this? And I showed them my Armenian passport. I showed I've, I've been in the country for more than a year. Like, you don't have anything to worry about. Again, it's crazy. Like, ultimately, they were friendly and they let me go. They didn't abuse me or anything. But it's still a scary thought to think that I could be targeted and detained just for speaking English, which is obviously a fairly common world language. They have a system now where... When you leave your house, you're supposed to either check in online through an app saying where you live, where you're going, and how long you'll be gone, which the police can and can check if they stop you or you go through a checkpoint or through, through a paper form system. Which again, absolutely insane to me that this level of monitoring would be going on. It does make me fairly apprehensive about going into town again anytime soon, which again, you know, I can wait it out here in the village if I have to for several weeks if it comes to it maybe even longer but i don't like the idea that i'm not able to go into town and do shopping or meet with friends or have or even have them come out to visit me because they have to have permission to travel for non-essential purposes i have plenty of friends in yerevan or other towns who would like to be able to come out and visit me but now they're afraid to drive out here because going between checkpoints between regions they might get in trouble with the police I, i'm not able to live now freely because everybody's afraid of this virus. It's delayed some book launches of some of the people I'm working with, one of which uh, is, is a guy writing a travel book called the Millennial Travel Guide. We were supposed to launch it this month, but when everything started going crazy and borders started shutting down, you know, we rightfully sat back and said, okay, maybe now is not the time to be releasing a travel book. Maybe we should wait and see how things play out. Well, obviously, a lot of people are having to transition out of traditional roles in person in an office or something to do things online if they're able to be done online. That's a transition I made a number of years ago because I've been traveling around the world since I was 18, having to learn how to make money online if I wanted to survive. So I've gotten you know fairly good at it. Uh, but I can imagine this is putting a lot of people into a panic, grow or die state of mind. Yeah. And I don't know what other advice I would give people who've just recently been laid off or something, except now is the time to really start learning how to control your own sources of income. And definitely, if you can do it from a computer, even better, because it's, it's just fewer systems you have to rely on. If you have to be able to get to a certain building at a certain time, driving your own car to work for a certain employer, that's a lot of ifs there, a lot of contingencies that can be taken away from you. Uh, 
obviously if the internet shuts off i'm probably out of luck but uh, that's that's to me and i even out here in the village i have you generally have surprisingly good internet connection but even i still i pay every month for two service providers for the internet because occasionally one of them will stop working for an hour and what if i need to be online during that hour then i switch to the other one so I, i'm happy to pay that extra 20 dollars a month if it guarantees i will always have internet connection and that's that's just part of the i don't know the survival mentality i have out here where you, nothing is nothing is really guaranteed so the things you normally take for granted you take preparations to account for there's a reason i always keep at least a month's supply of food here in either frozen or in, in cans or jars not because i think the country is going to run out of food although apparently that's a possibility now but just because it's a little inconvenient to get into town. What if my car breaks down? What if there's an obstruction in the road? What if I just don't feel like driving to town for a month? It's possible, right? And then of course, even if I were to use up my entire store of food, my neighbors have animals and and growing things. I'd like I've been planning to start raising ducks and rabbits of my own soon. Again, not because I need the food. I ha- food here is cheap to buy, but just it's it's a nice feeling to have my own supply fresh and ready that will stay good indefinitely and or even um what if the water shuts off which again happens occasionally not for very long not for like a day at a time but maybe an hour at a time uh i i don't want to know that i suddenly won't have water so i have systems in place now where i'm i'm storing dozens of gallons i can collect rainwater from from the melting snow on my roof and uh I've been planning to put in solar for a while just because again I want to know I will always have electricity if I need it and it might save me money on my electric bill anyway. Things like that, that general survivalist mentality that's really just a convenience once you're living a life that's a little bit further away from the modern city conveniences that you might be used to are really helpful in a situation like this where suddenly everything you once depended on is kind of in question. Will I have the source of income I've always depended on? Will I be able to trust that the utilities that I depend on will still be working next week? I, I don't care where you are. If you're in the United States or in a village in Armenia or somewhere else, I don't think anybody can say definitively or with nearly the same confidence that they did a month ago that those things were still continue to be there. So if you have the power now to start putting systems in place in your life that will be helpful redundancies in those areas for the things you depend on, now is a really good time to start doing that especially while you still can leave your house to some limited degree and some stores are still open how do you know that will still be true next week Gregory speaks of preparedness and what he describes are things that I myself have implemented in some respects I had stores of extra food and even MREs just in case Unfortunately, I recently moved and got rid of a lot of my extra stores, for which I am now kicking myself. I also grew up with a mom who would keep what she called a bomb shelter, just some extra food in the basement, cans and water. I didn't exactly understand why when I was young, but going through this pandemic has definitely made it clear. Has your behavior changed? since the pandemic began? Are you rethinking how you store food or what you keep around? Episodes are being released as soon as I get the interviews. 
So subscribe so that you don't miss a thing and share if this meant something to you and if you think others might benefit. Stay safe. Stay well. <laughs>